Relating to Self. A podcast that helps you create a better relationship with yourself. Hey, I'm Joachim. Welcome. Do you realize that there is only one relationship that you will always be in? The relationship with yourself. Improving that relationship changes everything. On this podcast, I share my thoughts and I invite real people to have vulnerable conversations about how they relate to themselves and what we can learn from that. In today's episode, I speak to Sarah, who doesn't need to be right and who is comfortable with not being understood. Enjoy. Sarah, it's so nice of you to join us here on my podcast. It's been a while since I've done this. It feels awesome to be back in the studio. Welcome. Welcome to podcasting again. I know how it feels to come back after a few months. It, it can be strange, but I'm happy or excited because I'm also very excited to be here. Beautiful. Thank you, Sarah. Um, traditionally, I will kind of introduce the audience to you by saying a bit about how we met and um, yeah, in which circumstances we know each other. And as has become almost the custom here on this podcast is I, that I know you through Sandbox. Yes. And I think I don't remember when I first encountered you through Sandbox. So maybe that's something that you can add to the story. But I do know that we then ended up meeting in Lisbon at the house of Guimet. Yes. for a spontaneous gathering and we had some food and some drinks. I also remember that I, I was a bit sick, I think, that day. I, I didn't feel great. I had a mm. bit of a cold, which thinking back nowadays would feel very difficult and very strange. <laughs> But this was in tempore non suspecto before, before COVID. So I attended that little gathering uh, with a cold, but I had a beautiful time. And we had a nice little chat about your podcast as well, I believe. Mm. So that's how I met you. And then I've been participating in your weekly reflection sessions a couple of times, which felt very nice. And it's from there, actually, that I then uh, thought about like, hey, this would be really great if mm. you could be on my podcast as well. Yes, that's how that's how I remember the story. We have a similar story. And yeah, I remember that that dinner gathering in Lisbon. And I remember feeling a bit rushed because I was doing a project in Lisbon. I'm, I'm not from Lisbon and I was there for work. And I, I think I decided last minute to go or I was late to do something like that. And, and so I remember that rush to get there. And yeah, I remember our conversation. And as I shared with you uh, earlier, you have very calming energy. So I think that impacted mm -hmm. me. So I was feeling really stressed and then kind of relaxed a little bit. Yes. Mm, beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, Sarah. I, I feel almost more relaxed now that you reflect that mm. back to me, That's <laughs> which <good>. is nice. <laughs> Great. So let's dive into the wonderful world of relating to self. And my first question for people on this podcast is always the same. When you think about relating to self, what does that mean to you? What comes up? Mm. I intentionally didn't think of the answer to this question. I, I listened to a couple of episodes And I knew it was coming, uh, but I wanted it to be spontaneous. Mm. I think what has been more present lately in my life 
about relating to myself has been the conversation between myself and other people. So it has been being that mirror uh, with others um, or of others without losing myself in that process. And so I think relating to self has been that conversation. Um, I think in the past I've been mostly relating to others, just others and trying to meet their expectations, be it family expectations, professional, romantic. And I think now I'm more able to have a conversation that's, um, it's a two way conversation and less just listening. And so, yeah, that's what relating to self is to me right now, maybe in a year, it will be a different thing. I, I love that flexibility, that dynamic view of what that means. Mm. Like right now, this is what it means, but it could be different next year. I very much relate to that. I feel mm. also for me, when I look at the past, that has meant so many different things <laughs> through time. Yeah. Um, there's one thing you said that fascinates me and that obviously I have thought about quite a lot as well when you mentioned without losing myself. So speaking to other, having conversations without losing myself. What does that look like for you when you lose yourself? Because I assume like in theory, you're always there, right? You can't really mm. lose yourself. So I'm, I'm curious what exactly that means to you. I think for me, it's very easy to put everyone else's needs before mine. And I, I'm, I'm a giver. So I like to give things to people and I like to make them happy. And so it's very easy to just consider that side. So I think that that's a, a yeah, that's a um, specific example of how it would mean to lose myself in this conversation when I'm just thinking about the other person and not either checking in with myself or doing that and then voicing it to the other person. Cause it, it's, it's becoming easier and easier to, check in with myself and try to understand how I am feeling in the situation, in the conversation. But then the third step, it's still a bit more difficult. It's becoming easier, but it's still difficult. Yeah. Mm. So I'm, I'm not sure I'm, I'm fully not losing myself yet, but I'm getting there. Beautiful. So you, you named three steps. So I assume just for, for clarity, mm -hmm. one is like being aware of what it is that you need. Mm-hmm. And then no, that's, able to the, that's, that's the, the second, second and the third. What was okay. the first? Was the, first <laughs> <laughs> the first was, I think it's, yeah, I think the, the first, I don't know if they're steps, if they are, if they are, I don't know if they're steps or if they are stages more, I think mm. that's probably a better name for it. So the first stage would be to just be there and to just consider the other person. Right. Right. The second one would be to be aware of yourself. And the second stage would be to voice that awareness and what you need. Yeah. The, the third stage. Stage, yes. <laughs> yes, great. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And so you're saying that you're not finished with that process. No. And where would you say you are now, like on average, when you yeah. have conversations with others? I think I am. So if we have those three areas or stages, I think I'm in a cloud 
that is around stage two. It still has stage two, a bit of stage one. No, maybe like a lot of stage one and two, (laughs) (laughs) the middle, right? (laughs) The transition between those two and a bit of uh, the transition between two and three. Beautiful. Yeah. As, as you're saying that I'm reflecting on it for myself and it feels like it was a bit of a stupid question that I asked because it, <laughs> for me, it depends. Yeah, it depends for sure. Where I am, it depends whom I'm speaking to actually. Like there's for so sure. much in, I don't know if that's true for you as well, but for me, this whole process of relating to self in conversation with others is a dance. And I feel the more developed the other person is at dancing, the more they have done this for themselves, the easier it becomes for me to also do this. So for example, in our conversation right now, I feel pretty safe with being Mm. able to feel what I need and express it to you because I somehow intuitively feel that you know that process as well and you've done that process. So you, you know what it means. And so we help each other in that, in that process. I agree. But when I speak to someone, who let's say is mostly in stage one and they're kind of like trying to figure out what it means to speak to Mm -hmm. others and try to figure out what they need, then I feel I relapse. Perhaps it becomes more difficult. (laughs) Absolutely resonates with me. And, and I've thought about it so many times, uh, how, and, and maybe I'm a bit too hard on myself in those situations when I'm, I'm with someone who potentially is not as aware as aware of where they are in this journey. And it's really hard for me to be a bit more even centered and, uh, to slow down or to, uh, even be brave enough to say things or not feel silly for wanting to say a certain thing. And then I'm really hard on myself. Like, why, why do you need the second person to be yourself. <laughs> and, and, um, it's, it's counterproductive, uh, but it is the truth. And, and I agree with you when, when I'm talking to someone who I know has been thinking about this as well, has been practicing this as well. Um, or someone who I know is even a bit further in that journey with than, than I am. It's so much easier. And when I'm there, I'm, I'm more, I'm more calm. I'm, um, more aware, but then I'm still hard on myself and feel like, why can't you do this here? And you can't do it with that other person. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this cloud of judgment, it's also something that's still there and it's, it's, it's not compatible with these stages. So it's, it's, it's an extra layer. Yes. The inner critic is always yeah. listening. You said something beautiful though, that I think is one of the key principles in, in giving more space to this kind of being. And that is, you said it was hard for you to slow down, Mm. but I think slowing down is exactly what we need in those moments. And very often just taking a breath or taking a few seconds to think before we reply is enough to kind of like bring us back to a more centered place. So I'm wondering, if besides slowing down, which you say is hard for you, do you have any other tricks or things that you use consistently when you feel that you are in a conversation where you start to lose yourself, 
to bring yourself back to your center. Mm. I'm trying to think of a specific situation to make it easier for me to mm. remember that experience. And I'm thinking of a particular interaction. And I think what has helped me in the past is remembering that we're all trying to figure it out and it being life <laughs> in general and the things I want to say and the things I want to express or the thoughts that go through my mind, the feelings I feel, they're just part of that journey of trying to figure it out and I don't need to be right. And I, I'm mostly comfortable with the fact that the other person may not understand me or think that I'm crazy. And yeah, so just remembering that helps. Beautiful. I love it. So much good stuff there. <laughs> I'm going to repeat this because I want to hear this again <laughs> for myself. Um, first, you named this idea of like remembering that we're all trying to figure this mm. out for ourselves. It's not just you, right? We're all in this together, which sounds like compassion to me, kind of like mm. this universal kind of understanding that, yeah, everyone's struggling. And that's so true. That helps. And then you said, you know, this is just life. This is all part of it, which again, sounds like a compassion, but maybe more a compassion towards self mm. this is giving space to myself to acknowledge that I'm struggling, which is okay. But then you said two things that are really beautiful, I think. And one is I don't need to be right. Mm -hmm. That is so powerful according to me. And then the second thing that is related to that is I'm comfortable with not being understood that is so hard. That's one of the hardest things I feel for me. Um, I often feel this desire, if not to be right, then at least to be understood, understood in my position where I stand. And so I'm really curious how, how you developed that kind of extremely compassionate way of being in a conversation where you feel like, yeah, I don't need to be right. And it's okay if people don't understand me, that brings so much, um, relaxation to my body. So mm. how did you develop that? I think this, those are almost like mantras that I repeat to myself. They're not necessarily something that I've fully embodied yet. Mm. Um, they are reminders. And how have I developed those? Yeah. Or how did you encounter mm. them? Because if they are mm. mantras, I'm aware of the fact that maybe yeah. this is something you heard somewhere else and you're like, yes, mm -hmm. I'm going to try to remember this. Yes. The first one I know, um, it, it's some a sentence that, uh, Brene Brown repeats very often. Mm. She says, um, especially in the context of hard conversations, uh, she says, I'm not here to be right. I'm here to get it right. Mm. And I, I love that. And that, that sentence really stayed with me when I'm having a conversation where I don't necessarily agree with the other person or the other person is not necessarily getting what I'm trying to say. Like, okay, I'm here to get it right, to understand why they don't understand what I'm trying to say. And, and that's really helpful. The other side, so being okay with not being understood, that's really hard. So that one, because understood and, and seen, they, they can be uh, miss, uh, how do you say it in English? They can be confused, right? So seen and understood and everyone wants to be seen. Everyone, everyone wants to know that the other person is paying attention, that they're not ignoring you. 
So that is that is really important. Ah, understood. I, I'm sure that came from therapy and that, yeah, for sure. And this, uh, this idea of, um, I'm translating this to English, but I think that's the right uh, expression. So the difference between self-esteem and self-confidence, that knowing that difference has really helped. So self-esteem is... I hope I get this right, is like liking yourself, right? Believing that you can do it, that you'll do it right. And self-confidence is being okay with not doing things right, is feeling like, okay, whether this goes right or not, I'm still valuable. I'm still a, still a good person. I'm still, I'm still me, right? There's nothing wrong. Even if it goes wrong, it's okay. It's okay. This is the sentence that I say this a lot. Um, my boyfriend even sometimes mocks me because I'm always saying it's okay. It's okay. Um, but it, it's that. So it's uh, whatever happens, it's okay. And mm. if you don't understand me, it's, it's okay. It's really hard, but it's okay. Yeah, I hear you. That sounds a lot like compassion again to me. Yeah. I think I have slightly different understandings of these terms of self-esteem and self-confidence, mm -hmm. which doesn't matter at all. But I agree with what you express, this idea of it's okay. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really the core. What I am fascinated about, and I guess what this podcast is usually also most about, is how all of these concepts apply to your inner conversations with yourself. Because now we've been speaking mostly about Mm -hmm. relating to others and using that as a mirror for your own inner work and understanding all these principles. But then you've also mentioned that your inner critic is quite alive and often there to remind you like, wait, you should already be doing that or something like that. So I'm wondering, do you apply these principles to yourself? Like not needing to understand yourself, uh, not needing to be right in inside of yourself, like holding space for for different kind of like conflicting thoughts and ideas. Is that something that you also practice? I try. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Emphasis on try. <laughs> uh, yes. And uh, one thing that really helps is meditation. And I feel a lot of people in your podcast talk about meditation and it makes sense. Um, it, it is a way to quiet those uh, thoughts the more negative or critic thoughts and the very principle of uh, in meditation of not identifying with thought that really helps. So when I'm, when I get into that critic mode towards myself, when I catch it, I just say that don't, don't feed the monster, keep going. <laughs> and that. so that's one way. <laughs> Don't feed the monster. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then there's, there's, um, I listened to a podcast the other day called How to Fail. I don't remember the host's name. And she was talking with, I can't remember his name, Mo something. He wrote a book about the formula to have for happiness. And he has this strategy, which is he gave his brain a name. 
And whenever the, the his brain starts having those uh, thoughts, he talks to his brain and says, really? His brain's name is Becky. Becky, is that true? Like, show me the facts. Is that true? Uh, and I've started doing that. <laughs> and it helps. Like, because you're talking to a person in your head, right? It's no longer you. And uh, that that helps a little bit. Yeah. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. I I use a similar method. Um, I talk to my parts, as mm -hmm. I call them. And this has been on the podcast for a couple of times already. People who are into internal family systems theory and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. It's like naming the parts of you who experience certain things or who want certain things, who feel unsafe about certain things. And speaking to them is, is quite helpful indeed. And I was going to go there actually when when you mentioned meditation and how you use it to like quiet the thoughts. I feel these days what feels more maybe easy to me or what comes more naturally, like instead of quieting the thoughts, what I do is I enter the kindergarten. I have mm. this new name for the collection of my inner parts that are like making a row inside of me, like that mm. are not entirely happy, that are like trying to get some stuff done or change things. And I, I relate to those as if they were a kindergarten. That's the image I have. So it's, it's like a room full of kids and they're all like screaming and playing and, and every one of them has their own needs and their own desires. And, and, and in the end, I feel instead of meditate, meditating and then like, you know, hoping that the kindergarten will quiet down, I go to the kindergarten and I just sit down with them and I'm like, Hey, what's up? And I feel lately that even there is, there is not even a real need to have a conversation with any of these parts, because that's like what I did previously. I would sit down with one of these parts and go like, okay, so say my, my wounded child or something like what, mm. what is it you need? I would have a conversation, try to understand what they are lacking right now and try to give that to them. But now I feel almost as if showing up to the kindergarten and I'm just being there and being present to the kids. <laughs> to my parts, like you said before, seeing them, not needing to understand them, not needing to have an interaction, but just seeing them usually already massively helps with whatever it is that I'm going through. Mm. And I'm curious if you have experienced something similar, not in terms of like the kindergarten, because obviously that's, that's a metaphor that I use <laughs> that I've never heard before, but I think just in terms of being present to the thoughts in your mind or being present to the parts of you that are having a tough time without needing to understand them, without needing to be right, either you or them. It's not like, hey, you're wrong. Actually, there is no danger right now. So there's no need for this anxiety or anything like that. Just like, hey, I'm, I'm here and you're here and I see you. I, I wonder if that's something you've tried or experienced. I have done that with anxiety. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I usually, um, I usually know where it comes from and I'm slowing down because I'm questioning if I do, uh, I can anticipate when I'm going to feel anxious, but maybe that's why, I, what creates the anxiety. So I'm not fully sure. Um, Wait, that's interesting. So <laughs> you said that what's creating the anxiety is anticipating that something will make you anxious. Yes, sometimes that happens oh. to me. It happened last week. It was really strange. Well, predictable, 
but strange. Um, when I was, I had a really good week and then I had a good weekend. And then on Sunday, I was already thinking, okay, next week won't be as good as this one. I'm sure it won't. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course it wasn't. You know, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, and I started Monday feel, feeling really anxious and annoyed and uh, I, I couldn't get anything done. And, it, it, and I think I created that for myself in that situation. It's not always a, how it happens, but I, that's present because it was maybe two weeks ago. But answering to your question, I, I do that with anxiety when I'm feeling anxious about a specific thing. I usually say, okay, you're there. Great. <laughs> I'm not, I don't engage in conversation because mm. I, I don't, I don't want to talk to you right now, but I respect the fact that you're there and I'm just going to continue my life. And I appreciate if you can let me continue with my life. Hmm. Uh, and, and yeah, that has happened. But I like your image of the kindergarten. Hmm. Because when you, when you sit down in the middle of a group of kids, and if you really sit down, if you really listen, it's very likely that they will sit down. And even if it's just because they're like, who, why is this big person sitting here in front of us. They don't usually do this. Um, so I like that image. And as I'm saying this, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily positive that, because I, that's how I sounded. That's not how you sounded, but I sounded a bit like looking down on the thoughts and these parts, right? That's not probably not the best, uh, strategy, but sitting down and paying attention and seeing them as you were saying that I think will help. And I might try that next time. Mm. So interesting. Two things come up for me. There is like one, you mentioned that with real kids that would actually kind of work. I have no idea about that. I have literally <laughs> zero experience with kids. My exposure to kids has been almost nothing. And so I wonder where this idea comes from inside of me. Like, I, yeah. I guess I just figured this out from, because I call them my kindergarten internally, when I sit down with them, they kind of quiet down. And now it's really interesting for me to hear like, oh, that would probably work with real kids as well. And I'm, I'm really curious about that. Is that true? Like, that's, that's interesting. You should try it next time you have the chance. <laughs> yeah. And then wait, I had another point. What was it? What did you say after that? And then I talked about like not looking down on your parts and... Right. Yeah. Not but having I, this patronizing mm -hmm. attitude towards them. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I think that doesn't help for sure. But there was another thing that I was thinking of and now it seems to have disappeared, which I am becoming more comfortable with. It's okay. Um, it will yeah, come back. It, or not. And that's okay too. <laughs> Sarah, lovely. Um, wow. Uh, so many beautiful thoughts already. I, I have a question for you also related to an experience I am having at the moment, actually, mm. which is going back to the whole conversation we were having about how relating to others for you is very much related to relating to self and, and as a mirror and all that. I've recently noticed that because of the pandemic and because of the past year and a half, 
being mostly spent inside with myself, mm. I feel myself almost a bit out of touch with what it means to relate to people in real life. Mm. And, and this has been so interesting for me in the past week. Um, Troy, who has been on the podcast, who is a great friend of mine, was actually in Sofia in, in the past week. And obviously Troy and I spend so much time talking to each other online. We, we have video calls, we send each other voice notes all the time. So I'm used to any kind of conversation with him about all subjects and we go very deep. We're very vulnerable with each other. It's beautiful. But then he was here and suddenly he was in my room and he was like sitting on my couch. And I didn't notice it at the time, but then after he had left, I started feeling so much tension mm. and I was like, what is this? Like what's happening to me? And then I realized, I think it's because I'm just not used anymore to a physical presence mm. in my space close to me. And so I'm curious now about your experience with, with all the beautiful things you've said about how you use that relating to others as a mirror for your relating to self. Do you feel that that has changed perhaps also because of your experiences being alone through lockdown or stuff like that? Or is that maybe not an issue for you at all? Mm. It is, but I didn't spend lockdown by myself. Mm. So the, the first lockdown I was with my parents and that was a whole social experiment, family experiment to be in the same, uh, in the same place for three months after 13 years, not living together. So that wow. was interesting. And then I had an interesting experience during the second lockdown here in Portugal. I was in Madeira, so in an, in an island. And there the restrictions weren't as strict as in mainland Portugal. And so I, while I was there, I was living with three other people on a really intense project. And so I didn't necessarily experience that moment where everyone was at home by themselves. So I didn't experience that. It, it, it was a different um, relationship with that time in history. Um, however, I do feel... I feel like I'm never fully relaxed when I'm around other people these days. And I wouldn't say that's new because of COVID. I think that it's, it, it happened in a small scale, on a different scale before it. But now is, I'm, I'm hyper aware of many interactions and are you like breathing really close to me? Are you, did you, did you touch something, not wash your hands? Did, did you touch your mask? Did you, you know, I, I, it's not intentional. I'm not judging people, but my brain sees everything. <laughs> and so I'm not fully relaxed. And obviously that affects the interaction I have with the other person. And I remember something specific maybe two weeks ago, a friend of mine who I haven't seen in a really long time invited me for dinner at her place. And I felt so much resistance. Mm. I was like, Ugh. and it, this is someone that I, I really like, but it's not a very close friend. And so do I want to do this? And then why not? And, and then why? Yes. Uh, and, and it, it was really, really hard. And yeah, I think the way I got around it was I 
I think I've started developing deeper relationships online and yeah, I don't know how I'm doing it in person. Still yet to be figured out, I think. I love that. I, I feel exactly the same. I feel I have to relearn mm. being in the world, being in the physical world. Because like you, like you just said, I have developed this ability to have really deep, beautiful connections online mm. with many people, including during this podcast. That, yeah. That's one of the main drivers for me to have this podcast. It's because it allows me to have these incredible conversations with beautiful humans like yourself. But then taking that to the real world again, wow, I don't know. I, as of yet, I'm still a bit like flummoxed by the whole thing. Mm. I'm like, how, and I, re, I relate so much to what you said about this hyper awareness. I have exactly the same. I'm hyper aware, not just about COVID things like, you know, masks mm. and touching and everything, but about everything. It seems like everything people do and say and all the sounds and mm. I don't know, it's weird. <laughs> And yes. I, I just try to be comfortable with being in that state and being compassionate with myself that I will need some time to develop this sense of safety in the world again. Yes. Our listeners can say it, but I was like, can see it, but I was like moving my hand because, uh, yes, sounds, They're, they've become much louder. And I've always been very sensitive to to sound and i think that's why i like podcasts because they they really go into my head um but lately even if it's someone talk, speaking a bit louder or if the sound of a car or an alarm or something that been having a big impact in me and now that you said it i'm like oh okay it's not just me yeah yeah and and one thing that i i i drew a, a circle on my piece of paper and I also feel like because I spend so much more time either by myself or talking to certain people online, which is curated, right? I don't bump into people online. Um, so online uh, and the, the people I see in person are usually the same people. When I get out of that circle, I get surprised by certain comments or certain topics that come up or reactions or opinions. And I don't think I would, I felt that way before. I think it was a bit more normal to have those for your little bubble to be burst in <laughs> more often. And, and now I feel like it, it doesn't, and it comes more of a surprise, like simple things. Like um, my Instagram is very much, you know, uh, liberal and uh, we accept everyone and everyone should be happy and everything. And then when you meet someone who doesn't necessarily have those ideas or makes a racist comment or something, I think it shocks me a bit more than it used to. And I think that's happening the other way around as well. So people that may have potentially a more conservative view on life, they might be also closing themselves in those views. And that was already happening with social media. But now that we don't interact, I think it's getting even worse. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting observation. And we'll need some time to figure that one out. Yes. Going back to relating to self, I'm curious if besides relating to others as a mirror and meditation, which you have already named, you have other practices 
that help you relate to yourself? Yes. Um, spending time alone. So that I've started really valuing that. And it can be going on a walk. I love walking. Or just sitting on my sofa and staring out the window. I've also mm -hmm. done that. And it has really calming effect. <laughs> and just staying there and thinking. I was going to say reading, but I don't know if that's, that isn't the same as the, the mirror idea that I was talking about earlier, because a book was written by someone. So it is, it is a mirror again. Uh, it is, there's no one physically there with you, but you are relating to, to that person or that idea or that story. So yeah, maybe that goes under the other category. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That feels true to me. I mean, reading is definitely a way to interact with an idea of someone else, but at the same time, for me, it certainly feels very different because when mm. I interact with a book, I decide the timing. I decide how mm. much I absorb. Mm. I decide how much I can think about things. And so reading is definitely a practice of relating to myself from me and from myself as well. Mm. Uh, what happens usually is that I read something, especially if it's something I don't entirely agree with or don't completely agree with, then I'm forced to think about like, wait, how do I relate to that concept? Like what is present in me? But I feel it's much less potentially stress creating than interacting mm. with, with live people. Right. Um, because the book is also static and you can reread the same sentence mm. and there is no, yes. Yeah. So that's a different dynamic. I would say it's, it's definitely yes. not, not the same as, as talking to people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. The timing. So what you said about timing, that it feels different. Yeah. I often do that. I read a sentence and then I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. Stop. Think about it. Read it again. Exactly. Yes. Yes, that experience feels much more about reflecting on my in my, on myself, and my experiences, and what I think about it. And yes, okay, yes. yes. <laughs> One other thing I'm curious about, Sarah, is what are you excited about when it comes to the relationship with yourself? Like, what is your next step that you're like, "Ooh, I can't wait for this to happen." Ooh. I, I had a, um, a really interesting insight um, recently with the help of my therapist, which was the fact that I need to have many experiences. So she called me um, experience collector and how that <laughs> <laughs> diversity is really important for me. And it is, I knew that, but she related it to my self image. So she said, and she helped me realize that if I have more and more positive experiences, I will have a better self-image. And if I have a better self-image, that I will need less control. And if I need less control, I'll have more and more positive experiences. And it's a, a, a virtuous cycle. And so that is recent. And I'm, I'm really excited to, to explore that. And I've, I've been more um, aware and intentional with that. Uh, even if the experience is like it happened a couple of weeks ago, I, I read someone's post on Instagram and I thought, oh, this is really interesting. I have stuff to add to this. I will invite her to go live on Instagram and talk about it. And we did it and it was great. 
you know, so that it can be that those kinds of experience doesn't have to be too complicated or going into the wilderness. It can be something small. And I'm really excited to continue exploring that and releasing my need for control. Beautiful. I love it. You experience collector. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm curious though, because I very much relate to this, uh, especially when it comes to the intentionality. I'm also, mm -hmm. that's one of the things I'm really passionate about, like intentionally designing experiences for myself and asking myself the question, what is it that I want to experience? Mm -hmm. So I'm curious as to how you intentionally design your experiences. So I'm, I'm stopping because one thing that I've also been trying to do is to be more spontaneous mm -hmm. and just do things because I feel like doing them or they sound fun or they scare me. And because of that, I, my, my intention is on trying stuff out and being that experience collector and less on how that experience is going to be designed or happen. So it's, it's before in the process, then how it happens in the end, um, it, it, it happens. And I'm just trying to, again, release that control and just be there. And I guess that's the design right? It's not, not planning, uh, or not defining. And yeah, so that that is the design is very free flow, um, trying and who are you and who are you speaking into this microphone? Uh, cause that this is, if you asked me, um, I don't know, six months ago, it, I wouldn't be saying this. And wow. that again, it's so beautiful in this relationship with ourselves. It's the, the fact that it's always changing and always evolving. If we're not afraid of relating to, to ourselves. Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. I think this is a beautiful place to end this podcast, Sarah, mm. but I would like to ask one more question before mm. we head out. And it's also a traditional question that I'm sure you've heard before. Mm -hmm. Was there a question that you would have liked to receive that I haven't asked you? Mm. I think based on what I just said, I will say no, <laughs> because what happened in the, our conversation was the only thing that could have happened. So I'm, I feel complete and I don't need another question. Mm, people cannot see this right now, but <laughs> I'm like putting my hand on my heart because that sounds so beautiful. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> love it. Sarah, thank you so much for this conversation. I really enjoyed it. Um, Is there anything that you would like to share with the people listening to this podcast? Like, um, I assume you have a podcast of your own. Where yes. can people find you? Do you have a newsletter? Anything like that? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for asking and for offering yes, this space. Uh, yes. So I, I'm very passionate about learning. And when I say learning, it's not necessarily just the, you know, more practical Uh, side of learning learning skills but this is learning what we did here today is learning so having a conversation learning about ourselves evolving and growing every day and yes i do have a podcast in the community called learning day and it's it's this place to explore how we integrate learning in our everyday lives and how we don't need to do anything extra to learn every day it's already there and so i would i would invite anyone listening if that sounds interesting 
And um, where can we find that yes. podcast? So learningday.community. That's our website. And if you search for Learning Day um, and then my name, Sarah Hemsch, any, any in, on any podcasting platform, it will show up. Wonderful. I will make sure that we post a link to your podcast in the description of this podcast. And then people can find you and listen to you there. Thank you. Sarah, thank you so much. Have a beautiful rest of your day. And I hope to have you again on the podcast, maybe in six months, and I'll be talking to a different Sarah. Exactly. Thank you, Joachim. <laughs> Bye. Ciao. Ciao. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to the podcast. You can also read more of my thoughts on Twitter. I will post a link in the description. And if you are interested in improving your relationship with yourself, please subscribe to my email list at relatingtoself.com. I will then send you meditations, rituals, practices, and more of these beautiful conversations. Thanks. Thanks.